Welcome to Happiness 2.02 podcast. I'm your host, John Tuckums, founder, author, World Government Summit participant, and Forbes featured TEDx speaker, an inquisitive human who loves root knowledge. Happiness 2.02 is a mental health show for entrepreneurs that provides the full human cognition and the full breathing oxygen tools to rapidly shift states of mind and increase energy. Podcast guests include organization founders, world-renowned executives, MDs, PhDs, and remarkable leaders who have incredible stories and are helping billions of people to find their happiness oxygen. You're listening to Happiness 2.02. This is your host, John Tuckums. You're listening to episode 27 with Nicole Bradford. Nicole is the executive director and is the co-founder of Transformative Tech Lab and Transformative Tech Conference and is a best-selling author and is a keynote speaker. While you're listening to this podcast, if anything stands out to you as thought-provoking or remarkable, take a screenshot and write down what you've heard from Nicole. Post the insight on social media, text the idea to a friend, or email what you've learned to a family member. Get this information out there. Without further ado, episode 27 of Happiness 2.02 podcast with Nicole Bradford. Nicole, time is a finite resource. Underline everything that you do across your life, your leadership, your books, your speaking engagements. Why do you do what you do? Ultimately, what drives you at your core? Wow. Well, fundamentally, what drives me is curiosity at my core Mm. and possibility. I actually just had my anagram done and um, I am a seven, apparently, which is driven by possibility and curiosity, which I think is one of the reasons why I work at the intersection of tech and human-centered tech and well-being, because it's the frontier, it's the edge, it's the one thing, the X factor that we haven't really done in depth with technology society-wide. And and I think it's the thing that's going to make the difference for all of us. So uh, that's what drives me. And as part of your journey, uh, that, uh, you know, that curiosity, do you remember earlier on in your life where you had those moments where you saw something and maybe another child would just kind of glaze over it, but you had that extra curiosity Remember earlier on when, uh, or maybe a, a, an example of, of uh, when you had, uh, you just noticed a little bit more curiosity than most people. Yeah. I mean, I always wanted to know how things worked mm. and I always wanted to understand why people did the things that they did. And so I've always been like really curious about, you know, why things are the way that they are and really always question them. Probably one of the things that attracted me the most when I was a child is I have loved science fiction from the start. And Mm. part of the reason I think of loving it is, you know, the really best science fiction is in the future, but it's really about today. And it's really about, you know, I mean, I love a good space opera as much as the next person, but like the really, really well done thoughtful science fiction that I think the core of the craft is science fiction that is actually about today. And so those are the sorts of things that I just, you know, went down deep in as soon as I could read, basically, I was reading science fiction. That's fantastic. Can you share a little bit more with the audience related to uh, that piece about, uh, you know, it's it's about the future, but it's actually about today. Uh, Just that that small little nuance there. One of the things that science fiction allows us to do is it allows us to think about the problems that we're facing today, Mm. you know, the things about people peopling and see them in a 
against a different backdrop that doesn't trigger our automatic beliefs about what the solutions might be. One of the people who's among the best at this was Octavia Butler, uh, who is a, was an African-American female science writer. And she wrote a lot about belonging, a lot about the other, a lot about, you know, things like this. And so even though her world, her world building is, you know, outstanding and she's a, a giant and, you know, they're very strange worlds and different species and a variety of things. It's like everything that she wrote about was really about, you know, really gave insight into race, gender, you know, belonging, immigration, a lot of the things that are certainly, you know, really topical today. I love the way you described uh, uh, people peopling too as well. I've never heard it uh, described that way. <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine said that she said, uh, I asked her one day how she was and she said, you know, people be out here peopling. And I was like, that's funny. I'm going to use that. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely love that. And I'd love for you to share too as well. Who are some of the influences early on in your life too as well that uh, those strong influences, I understand that, you know, as you described, reading through books, you'd find these amazing characters or these amazing authors maybe that, uh, uh, but who are some of the other influences that uh, uh, really ha- kind of helped shape your journey early on? I was deeply, deeply influenced by Star Trek. Hmm. Deeply. And, and part of it was because, um, you know, when you looked at that world, humanity, for the most part, had decided they were on the same team. And versus, you know, that not being the case. And, you know, at the time that I was watching Star Trek, you know, I was a little girl in the 80s in Houston, Texas, long before, like back when, you know, and I'm, I'm at, you know, my current incarnation is African-American. Um, and so this sleeve, which is a very, uh, you know, sci-fi thing to call it, but, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. growing up in the middle of race, in the middle of Texas and figuring out who I am and who other people were to have this show that I would watch every week. And when Star Trek was on, you couldn't get me to do anything, like nothing. You couldn't get me to mm-hmm. eat. You couldn't get me to wash dishes, like nothing. And to see this world where, you know, a, a diverse group of people were going off to explore the cosmos and, um, you know, and it created a deep love of technology, a deep belief in the possibilities of technology. I got into video games because I wanted to, you know, ultimately what I really wanted to do was to launch the holodeck. Mm. And, you know, today when we talk about transformative tech and we talk about well-being tech, for me, the way that I look at where we are is I think we're, you know, roughly 15 to 20 years to being on the path towards Starfleet or being on the path towards Hunger Games. And so I think this is a really critical time period to be alive. I think it's incredibly important and, and applying technology to the inner landscape in a way that is ethical and additive for people that doesn't mediate, you know, their aliveness, but really just helps them become more deeply, deeply human. And, you know, and I have a positive belief about what deep human means. You know, that is the, I think that's the great work of our time. It's beautiful. And can you share with the audience too, just as, as part of this journey, you had this fascination, this uh, incredible, um, you know, through the shows that you're watching, through the books that you're reading, that's kind of opening up your field of vision. Uh, can you share with the audience too as well? Uh, imagine that there, you know, everybody has ups and downs. 
kind of some of the adversity that uh, you know, really allowed you to find some some additional inner grit uh, in terms of your your latter life. It might have been in elementary school or high school, where you know there was there was circumstances that really helped you to uh, become the person that you are today. Uh, as a result of that journey, if you could share with the audience any any stories or anecdotes uh, as part of your journey, that'd be tremendous. I mean, you know, I am like like everyone's life is filled with everyone experienced adversity and a lot of it is relevant in the sense or relative, excuse me. So I don't think that, and I I don't think you're asking this, but I just want to clarify this before I give my examples. Mm. I don't think that adversity is comparable because, you know, it's the way that people internalize things um, that can make whatever someone's experiencing, you know, be a, a challenge. And so for me, you know, I had a lot of wonderful things in my childhood. And then I also have had things in my life that I had to overcome. And mm-hmm. I've always been an incredibly, you know, hard worker. And I think I'm definitely, you know, gritty. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, one example, which is sort of funny, I, my first year in business school, the summer, well, right before business school started, I was um, actually attacked in the park or on the street by a, uh, by a crackhead and uh, beaten up. Whoa. And, you know, he was caught actually some of my friends from business school caught him and Mm -hmm. jail. But, um, you know, the next day school was starting the following Monday Mm -hmm. and I my, my learning team asked me what they could do for me. And it was like four guys and I had them go to the mall and buy me makeup that's used to cover tattoos. And I went to school on Monday and no one expected that I would do that, you know, because it was really kind of a violent, exactly. So, you know, but I was like, you know what, I'm not going to allow being in the wrong place at the right time to change my life. Wow. And uh, so I was like, this is this random person. I was in the wrong place at the right time. But, you know, that year um, there were, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think that year my business school accepted 800 people and they had over 40,000 applications. Mm. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. I was like, yeah, this is not, <laughs> yeah. this one thing is not going to, like, I worked hard. I worked hard to be qualified, you know, to be in this place. And, um, and I'm not going to let this one event change that. Yeah. Wow. That's such a powerful story in terms of, you know, it's, and it's finding that, uh, you know, that grit where you've gone through this horrible experience that, you know, you could easily take it off weeks, months, you know, whatever, whatever the case. And uh, really having probably at that point in time, a, a tremendous amount of momentum behind you in terms of, you know, that visioning the possibility of what you want to do with the degree you're working on and, uh, you know, just and showing up. And that's, uh, that's incredibly powerful. I'd love to shift gears a little bit in terms of, um, you know, what are some of the experiences that uh, you've gone through these um you know, you've had this incredible kind of opening up of your vision, your, your curiosity, possibility with sci-fi, you've gone through you know, some, you know, as you described, incredibly uh, rough experience. 
And but you've also had this behind the scenes uh, with you know, all your exposure to to science, probably some amazing states when you're watching a show or reading a book, which gets you into flow or gets you into you know kind of flow state. Can you describe some of the things that that gets you to experience flow. There's a few things. Uh, so strangely enough, I love building models, mm. like Excel models. Yeah. <laughs> and I love building Excel models. So uh, when I'm building a model, you know, I'll, I'll experience flow there, um, especially when I'm really, really into it. Um, I also love reading. That does it for me. Um, I also um, love the martial arts. Uh, one of the best trips I ever did in my life was I booked into a Thai Muay Thai fighting camp for a month and it was just heaven and trained for like six hours a day. It was like oh. absolute heaven, but also, um, I've, you know, enjoyed boxing. I've had two matches, so I've had two fights. I'm Owen one. I won the first one. I lost the second one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now I know too many neuroscientists to, to, um, you know, fight seriously anymore, yeah, yeah. but I still love, I used to love, <laughs> I used to love fighting and I love meditation, True. you know, or I, I love training for fights. I love training yeah. for fights. Um, yeah, and I love meditation. It's all, you know, the continuum of mind anyway. There's a, there's a beautiful smell of the gym, which you, you can't really find any other place. You can't find it when you're going grocery shopping and, um, and it's, uh, uh, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's kind of that. And you just know that people have been working very, very hard in terms of their training inside of uh, you know, those locations. Do you also do martial arts? I've done uh, boxing training, so yeah. uh, kickboxing. Then also I trained many years ago, uh, and this will uh, date myself in terms of uh, the timing, but it was actually grew up in the same city that Lennox Lewis, mm. uh, the world uh, heavyweight champion. Uh, and I think his mom still lives here in the city. And so I trained a couple times in the gym that he used to train at. And then he used to come over to the, the, the gym related to kickboxing that, uh, uh, that I used to train, uh, train in for quite a period of time. So I uh, definitely have some exposure and it was absolutely amazing. I absolutely loved it. And I'd love to, uh, just as a follow-up question to that, what are some of the things that you notice when you're reading or creating an Excel model or doing martial arts or your meditation? What do you notice in your breathing or in terms of your field of vision when you're getting into these states uh, that mm. changes? And sometimes it's hard to put into words, you know, kind of uh, you know, what you experience. But if you could share with the audience as best mm. as possible, that'd be tremendous. Well, so one of my favorite uh, meditation techniques is um, I studied with Dan Brown. Mm. doing, um, he's, um, Tibetan Bon, uh, which is sort of like wandering teachers tradition. Um, but it's an open eyed tradition and it's wonderful. You know, he's a, a living, like he's just a living master, uh, teacher. And, um, if, if, you know, anyone who's listening, um, you can now take him online, but he's getting up there. So he won't be teaching much longer. So, but, you know, in a single week, he is able to train you to be able to see the vast ocean of awareness. Mm. And um, he's just really like, it's, it's deeply legit. He is very, very good. And he also is like, you know, so, um, you know, deep in the lineage and his ability to describe the teachings and all of that. But, um, you know, when I do that, I can 
whether I'm doing open-eyed or closed-eyed meditation, when my mind shifts, when the gears shift, mm-hmm. I can feel it almost like a gear shift uh, inside my body mm. when I, I shift into different states. So with closed-eyed meditation, when I shift into a different state, I'll feel the gear shift. Then my perception of air gets very cold. So like my breathing, it feels... Um, whether I'm in a warm or a hot place, my breathing will get very cold. My perception of air will get cold. The environment around me will feel electric, like it's mm. thrumming. And then I just, you know, listen with attention and observe the fabric of the universe. <laughs> no, it sounds crazy. And then if I'm doing it, it with amazing. eyes, <laughs> and then if I'm doing it with eyes open, then you know that physically happens. Except you know, really all the colors and edges and contrast will get super, super sharp. So mm. I can see my, uh, my vision changing and everything will get uh, super, super, super sharp. Like you're looking at like everything under a microscope and all the colors right. will be incredibly sharp. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. And, and thank you so much for, for sharing that. And uh, some incredibly vivid experiences in terms of, you know, imagine all your senses that, uh, you know, that are really coming into, it's almost like focus, especially mm. with eyes open. Uh, then with if, you eyes know, closed. That's, that's also how you can tell if you're awake or asleep in a dream. And can, can you clarify just a little so. bit? Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hear a little bit more because you've got my curiosity here. Yeah. So when you wake up inside a dream, if things taper off outside, like if the colors are fuzzy, Yes. As the field of vision goes further out, then that's how you know you're dreaming. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so Very you beautiful. can, you know, you can uh, wake up inside dreams. You know, one of the ways to train yourself to do that, I haven't done this a lot, but someone I know does it. It's kind of amazing. There's a whole community of people who do this. Yeah, yeah. But they have, um, they constantly ask themselves, am I awake or am I dreaming? And they ask themselves that all day long during the day. And so they establish the kind of habit oh, wow. that has them yep. ask themselves that. Because a lot of times your habits follow you into sleep yep. so that they ask themselves that. And when you ask yourself a question while you're asleep, that makes you question what you asked. Then there's a little bit, a level of awareness that comes up. And so then if you ask yourself, am I awake or am I asleep while you're asleep? then you'll wake up inside the dream and you can lucid dream. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And, and lucid dreaming, I've, I've had a little experience with it. It's uh, it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I'd love to, if if this is the appropriate time, you talked about deep human, and uh, um, I'm not sure if it's connected to uh, Dan Brown and that awareness, but uh, it's uh, certainly got my curiosity uh, as you you know used the words deep human before. Mm. And um uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that uh, before we shift gears. Well, I was reading, I'm reading this really wonderful book called The Adaptation Advantage. And Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that they talk about is, it starts with this introduction from Thomas Friedman. And in the introduction from Thomas Friedman, he talks about things used to be, went from flat to fast to smart, to deep. And with this depth, it's sort of like personalization, a deep personalization, a deep awareness. And he talks about, you know, think about all the things that we now call deep, the deep state, the deep. Deep subconscious. Yeah. Uh, very amazing. So 
Can you share with the audience now uh, as we we shift gears towards kind of uh, uh, this incredible body of work that's uh, been over many years, but I'd love to you to share with the audience uh, more about uh, transformative technology and uh, you know, what is transformative technology uh, just to start with so the audience has a kind of a baseline understanding before we go a little bit deeper. Yeah, so transformative technology is the application of technology to the inner landscape. And so it's really about technology for mental health, emotional well-being, social emotional wellness, and human purpose and performance. And um, it's, you know, really this idea that technology for a really long time has been applied to the lower levels of Maslow's hierarchy, Mm. and it hasn't been applied to the upper levels of Maslow's hierarchy. You know, so so that's what it is about. And so we have um, been working on this for about six years and have had mm. conferences since starting in 2015. And it has been really growing about, uh, our, our audience grows about 30% a year. And now we're in 450 countries, I mean, 70 countries and 450 cities. And it's been, you know, it's been wonderful. Absolutely incredible. And could you share maybe with the audience, if you can, just what's the genesis for a bold idea about having, and I'm not even sure if it was a conference to begin with, but uh, are you sitting around having coffee and saying, okay, we want to do something? How did the the idea start? If you could share with the audience, that'd be tremendous. You know, really what it's been uh, the entire time has been what was needed, you know, really like what was needed. And, you know, People needed a place to gather. And so then that creates a conference. And um, yeah, so people needed a place to gather. And so that creates a conference. And then also like our communities, we didn't create community in order to just to have a community. We created community because statistically founders do better when they're in a community. And so that's why we have community. And so everything that we've done has been sort of what is, what is needed, you know, for it. And so that, that's how we kind of have, so it wasn't sort of like, let's do this and then let's do that. And then let's do this. You know, mm. it really was what is needed. Yeah. And uh, you can share the audience too. I've been to the transformative technology conference, which is absolutely amazing. Kind of give the audience a flavor of, uh, you know, the types of companies, the types of thought leaders that, that attend these events, you know, when you've, you're creating this community and you have focal points at certain points of the year in terms of a conference, but you just share uh, with the audience, uh, you know, some of the remarkable people, that, remarkable types of companies that you see uh, uh, at these events. Well, so, I mean, we get uh, innovators, entrepreneurs, and investors, and now starting to also get corporates who are coming to the conference. And it's really people, you know, I would say the core, the core DNA, I think, is that the people who come to our conference are builders. Hmm. They're people who want to build things. And so, you know, whether, so whether they're, you know, building via investing or building via a company or building via something else, you know, that is, that is what they are. That is their DNA. They want to build something new. Mm, it's beautiful. And it's really that, that spot where you can have uh, collaboration and uh, really understand what uh, you know, the other parties are trying to build. And 
uh, from there, I imagine a tremendous number of uh, amazing things happen. Can you yeah, share with the audience uh, more about um, you know, some of the impacts that you're already seeing? You have had this amazing journey where uh, over the course of six years where you've had you know, kind of exponential growth in terms of people, uh, a part of these events. Imagine now that you're starting to see uh, some of the tangible benefits you know, actually impacting from the conference and you know there's a transformative tech lab too as well but i'd love to you know to, for you to share more about kind of uh how you're already seeing impacts uh from creating these communities of builders uh and having them in a, in a shared space where they can uh, collaborate together well i mean the, the one of the things that we got a lot of uh feedback from founders on is that um you know with the conference it's the place to find investors advisors teammates and inspiration. And so that's why people come. Yeah, that's amazing. Another, another area I'd love to touch upon too as well, that uh, you know, now that uh, the conference and you know, the technology aspects, you know, how can that inform uh, humanity? You probably have a, a, a kind of an amazing vision as you kind of talked about earlier on in terms of that science kind of background and also uh, you know, the exploration through the reading that you would, you would do and the shows that you'd watch for, um, you know, a kind of a, a humanity, which is uh, people are wor- all working together. And uh, that's something that uh, I think a lot of us strive for, a lot of us long for, and uh, we haven't seen it yet. But uh, uh, can you share with the audience too, kind of how, um, you know, some of the technologies here, are, you know, the insights uh, from the technology and the value that it's uh, uh, offering to humanity is through the technology uh, conference. Well, I mean, I think the the real value is, you know, having these technologies that help us understand ourselves better. And mm. when we first started, a lot of the things were Gen One, and by Gen Run One, I mean doing measuring, discovery, measuring, and tracking. And now we're moving into Gen Two, which is really going to be about interventions. So I think you're going to see more and more interventions where, you know, the things people are working on actually does something, you know, is more than just tells them about what's wrong, but actually tells them something that they then are supported in fixing or addressing or, mm-hmm. you know, improving or uh, doing more of, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it isn't always stop doing that. It might be, this is going really well for you. Yep, so for those sure. types of things. It's fantastic. And what do you see as, as uh, you know, you've had this amazing journey in terms of uh, having curiosity early on in life. You've had some moments of time which really have built that inner grit inside you and that, that vision for, you know, allowing yourself to, to see how you can bring together people and builders and investors and uh, you know, founders of companies and thought leaders. What is uh, what is your audacious goal in terms of where you'd like that to go in the future? Is it uh, you know as you kind of talked about that Gen two, uh, you really get to the stage of fixing? Uh, what, what do you see as kind of that that uh, kind of that bold vision? Well, I mean, you know, ultimately the the goal is to catalyze the health, happiness, and fullest potential of every mm. human, and that wow. is not a you know that's not a, a goal that anyone person, anyone fund, anyone company can do. It's really, you know, the aggregated impact of all of those people. And so, you know, my goal is, you know, coming full circle. It's like, how do we get on the path towards Starfleet, Mm. you know, where we are all for the most part on the same team. And I think that the path to that is through the inner landscape 
Um, it's through becoming more deeply, deeply human. And I think there's a role for technology to play in helping us do that because today all of our tech is on exponential curves and our crisis are, but ha- we become a healthy, happy, and, and uh, you know, fulfilled adult is linear and analog and based on luck and, um, and not equally distributed and, you know, and, um, you know, where you were born and who your parents were and how much money you have has a big amount as to whether or not you even have the opportunity, um, you know, to discover that. And so, um, technology is what ticks what's scarce and makes it abundant. And so, you know, having access to, the skills that would give people or the opportunities, experiences, skills um, that would give someone the foundation to have health, happiness, and fulfill their potential. That's really what it's about. Yeah, that's an amazing vision for the future. And uh, the way that you described uh, you know, just how you know exponential technology is and really is, is you know, our human potential, it's kind of lagged. And uh, just the the idea of that, uh, you know, going exponential, which is it's kind of a uh, uh, it's amazing and that odd to kind of think about uh, even the potential of doing that. Uh, but uh, I absolutely love the way that you described it. Nicole, uh, what are some of the other initiatives that uh, you'd like to share with the audience that you're currently working on uh, that are near and dear to you? Um, I mean, that's that's really, I mean, that's really it. Um, we have uh, transformative tech. We have the conference coming up in November. Again, uh, we're going mm-hmm. to be doing the Academy this summer, which is kind of like, um, uh, YC startup school, but for um, this kind of technology, and uh, it's really just we want people to build. That's so beautiful. And when where can people find you, Nicole? Uh, whether it's on, on Facebook or you know, websites, etc. Come to our website um, www.transformativetech.org and sign up for our newsletter because we send out a lot of information. We, this year, we started a twelve-month discovery series that's going to start in April on space. And, um, and every month we're going to take a different, different aspect that, uh, many are unexpected about, um, transformative tech. And if you basically, if you just read every email over the course of the year, by the end of the year, you'll have a nice education on what's possible. That's beautiful. And if you could describe with, to the audience, it's kind of, um, you know, uh, some of the words, um, really how do you get to a state where you can actually see more possibility? And I think one of the great ways is actually to become involved with uh, the transformative tech conference and, and all the lead up to it. And, uh, but how would you, you know, describe for someone or if you're talking to a, a friend that really, you know, I want to open up more possibility in my life, uh, what would you suggest starting for them? Well, I mean, anyone who's just, just started should start with meditation. You know, oh, like anyone who's just starting should start with meditation. So that I think is a really great place to start. I love that. Nicole, thank you for your leadership, your books, your speaking engagements, and all the happiness oxygen you bring to the world. And a tremendous thank you to all the listeners. As always, this has been your host, John Tuckums. 
you have made it to the end of the podcast, it's your host, John Tuckums. I want to take this moment to sincerely thank you. I'm incredibly grateful for the time you are taking to invest in your life. And if you gain something valuable from this episode and want to give me value somehow, I would tremendously appreciate if you went to Apple Podcasts, iTunes. If you have an Apple product where you listen to this podcast and leave this show a review, you are free to send me a message or email. Contact information is in the description below. Thank you again for listening and thank you for your contributions in helping billions of people to find their happiness oxygen.